Welcome to this episode of Between Ourselves. This conversation ended up being quite long, so I've split it into two parts. In this episode, we're talking to Zimbabwean women in the diaspora, specifically the UK, and about how we view home and our identities, and how this might differ across generations. So people who've migrated to the UK as a young person versus those whose parents or grandparents migrated. An important note is that this was recorded over a year ago, so some of the information isn't exactly the same now. So some people's job roles may have changed. Um, In the audio, they might be talking about not having been back to Zimbabwe at that point and may have visited there now. Um, Another information note is that at one point we mentioned Hulu, and I hadn't heard of this term before, um, but I've done some research on it now, and it can be considered kind of the Zimbabwean or Shona equivalent of Ubuntu. So when we're talking about that, that should give you a little bit more of an idea. So let's pick up the conversation, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Between Ourselves, a podcast series of conversations between black women on themes pertinent to us. My name is Sakai McConey. I'm the host and also a participant in these conversations. In this episode, we will be exploring what it means to be a young Zimbabwean woman in the diaspora, specifically in the UK. I'm interested in looking at the differences and similarities between those whose families have migrated at different moments. Joining me today are Belinda Zawi, Cherish Bere and Kajari Knox. Belinda is a London-based award-winning poet and founder of the Poetry Night Born Free. Belinda grew up in Zimbabwe and moved to the UK in 2002. Thank you for joining us, Belinda. Thank you for having me. Next, we have Cherish Bele, both the secondary school teacher and the founder of The Series London, a charity that helps fund girls' education in African countries. Cherish moved to the UK when she was 11 years old. Welcome to Cherish. My pleasure. Kajari Knox is a charity CEO by day and illustrator by night. Kajari was born in Zimbabwe and moved here when she was seven. However, parts of her Zimbabwean family have resided in the UK for generations. Welcome, Kajari. Thanks. So I'm Sakai McConey. I'm an administrator by day and black feminist muser and online opinion piece writer by night. I was born in the UK and my grandfather migrated along with my grandma and then five-year-old mother in 1965. In that sense, you could consider me a second or third generation Zimbabwean in the UK. So to start, I thought it would be appropriate for me to say, Indino Kutambilai Kuchirongwa Chanasi. I had to call my grandmother for that and get a phonetic spelling. Um, and I'm told it means welcome to the programme. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, on that theme, I thought it would be a good place to start by talking about language. As you can probably tell, I didn't grow up speaking Shona, and I'm always a little bit miffed about this, but I understand the reasons why. My mum moved here when she was very young and she was fluent in Shona, so a real emphasis was placed on her learning English. And after a while, she found it easier or quicker to reply in English. Today, she still understands Shona, but isn't confident speaking it, so she wasn't able to pass it on to me growing up. Part of me thinks there may be something generational at play, i.e. the first generation of migrants are likely to be focused on fitting in and speaking the language so they can get along in that new country, but further generations may look back at what has been lost and want to relate more to the place their parents or grandparents came from and have a renewed interest in the language. For instance, both Kajari and I took Shona lessons for a period with her uncle. 
So what are your thoughts on language? Do you speak Shona or Ndebele, also spoken in Zimbabwe? Do you make a conscious decision to maintain the language? So um, I think it's important, obviously, to kind of like, to to retain that if you can. Um, but I'm not really, I don't choose either or. I mean, I find, I find I speak English more now because I'm spending more time out of the house and with people from other parts of the world. But when I'm in my house, it's really just a mixture of both. And it's always been like that, even when we were living in Zimbabwe. So it's not really something that's like kind of switching between two languages not really something that's that's quite that's odd i i don't know the experience of not having had that obviously because i was born in zimbabwe so i didn't have a choice really what to speak shana but also i find that it's, it's just interesting how your brain works i guess once you're kind of like living in two languages if you like so maybe things like dreaming and things like you're dreaming shana but then it will be noticeable if, let's say, for a while you've been dreaming in Shona and then all of a sudden you had like your first dream in English. And oh. there's a, I think there's a real feeling of like, it's like dreaming uh, in a different country. Let's say you've lived in a different country for like, I don't know, three months mm-hmm. and you probably still dream. Like you're, you're still thinking your dreams, you're, you're still like in the other place you're at. And then you probably, the first time you have a dream in the place that you're in, it'll be quite memorable. So I kind of experienced that with sort of... Uh, language mm-hmm. um, yeah just for me kind of like a sign in some sense mm-hmm. about where I was at um, what what my relationships were with both languages cool what about you Kajari? Um language is a really interesting thing for me so I I was born in Zimbabwe so Shona is my first language but upon moving to the UK Apparently, word on the streets, <laughs> not that I remember, but apparently I had a very thick accent. Mm-hmm. Um, and also my mum was really worried that when I went into school that I wouldn't be able to, you know, have a good enough level of English. Um, so she just ended up speaking to me in English at home as well. Um, and so fast forward to... 18. <laughs> <laughs> um, so fast forward to now, um, I just literally could not even tell you anything, which I feel sad about, but I also equally understand. I understand the rationale behind why mm. why she did what she did. And I think, I guess now, even, I guess now in this day and age, you know, there is that understanding that if you, even if you speak, you know, whatever language at home, you can still, if you're in school, you're still able to kind of pick yeah. up and do your thing but yeah so I I sometimes feel like such a fake because I'm like oh my gosh like <laughs> I don't feel like I've got the same reason as you Sakai in that you know you were born here so like you've got more of a reason as to why you don't speak mm-hmm. Shona but I was blatantly born there <laughs> blatantly was my first language <laughs> and I just have no like but you know even in that I tried to retain like like Iwe like yeah. <laughs> I have to have like some like I have to pepper it with something so I've got like little, <laughs> I've got little phrases that I draw upon mm. in times of need <laughs> but generally yeah I don't I don't speak and I think even now thinking about you know when we eventually have a family mm. um so my husband's from Sierra Leone mm. and so he speaks Creole mm. so I'm I'm really of the opinion that I can't do anything for my kids really mm-hmm. in terms of Shona unless mm-hmm. I give them to one of my one aunts. Grandma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can speak Creole, so I want them to at least have something, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, in terms of in terms of Shona, like epic fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But I don't think it's so bad though, being like looking at it in that way, because I have little cousins and little brothers who moved here around about the same age that you're talking about, so five, six, seven. And actually talking to them now, they they, they can't speak Shona properly. You know, it's one or two. They have their epic phrases that they keep on to. And I find that actually that's when language is really important because when we get together as a family and we're all together, they reference those e-word, this, this, because they want to, you know, that's something that we share together. It's our bond. So I think language is important in that we are aware that it's we're losing it. You know, mm. when I travel back to Zimbabwe, they don't understand half the things I'm saying or I have my words, I mix up my words. But here, I'm very confident, thinking I can speak Shona. Oh. So it's a really interesting sort of relationship. Mm. So yeah. the type of Shona you speak back there, they exactly. don't understand. It's not that they don't understand, but it's very, it's funny. It's like, oh, why would you say that? You know, or oh. why would you order your words in that in that way? Instead, okay. you should say this. And but it's it always takes me aback because when we're here, we think we are speaking Shona when we're talking to each other. It's like, oh yeah, of course, you know. But actually. It's a different kind of shona to the shona that's spoken every day in Zimbabwe, for example. Mm. Mm. And also, I was going to say, being a poet for you, Belinda, mm. does language or shona does that ever influence the type of poetry you, you write, or would you ever write anything in shona? Oh, oh, oh my god! Like I would love to like know shona on that level. To like shona is such a deep and complex language, mm. and poetry is also like a deep and complex thing in terms of unraveling language. So like. I have no skills. I'm not skilled <laughs> at the moment to even like attempt that. But I would love to to I would love to learn Shona on a, like a on a, like academically like in a university or like even secondary school level, just like like the semantics and things. Mm-hmm. But um, and then kind of like try attempt that. But it, it features a lot in the work because obviously I'm telling stories about my life and part of my life has been in another place, mm-hmm. and so some things come in. Um, and they, they can't be translated in English. Like, mm. they don't have the same sentiment. So I would have to kind of do it in Shona and then find a way to put that feeling across mm. um, again, yeah. And in relation to what you were saying, Kajari, I would say that... So my mum doesn't feel confident speaking Shona, mm-hmm. but Shona does come out when she was telling me off when I was little. So mm. I definitely heard it at moments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was there. But I find that interesting because then wouldn't your relationship with Shona be one of telling, yeah, yeah. oh, I'm being told off, therefore. Yeah. So I want, I, I'm interested in that kind of dynamic of... I think when my mum spoke Shona, I knew it was really serious. Mm. It's like, you know, when your mum calls you, like, your full name, mm. or, like, I wouldn't even understand what she was saying, but I knew that I was in trouble. Mm. And there was a funny story that when Alana, so my little sister, mm. when she was very small, the first time my mum must have got angry at her and Shona, Alana just went... Hakuna Matata. <laughs> she was the Lion King. And she like, I don't know. What's going reference? on? And then my mum stopped being angry and just started laughing. Yeah. So. How can you stay angry? Yeah. But I, I, I didn't in my mind become like, oh, Shona is a negative association. It was just like, at peak moments, it mm. goes there, I suppose. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Um, what are your memories of first moving to the UK? What do you remember about it? And what were the contrasts that were most apparent to you? Everything's mm. cold, isn't it? Yes. Like the people are cold. <laughs> the streets are cold. The houses are cold. The smiles are cold. Like that fake smile. Uh-huh. Like I could never get my head around it. That, Even today I can't That quick smile. To this day, <laughs> like, you can possibly go, 
<laughs> why why bother just so just keep walking but i guess i don't know but um it's just like cold it was cold and gray that's that's what I, I just remember i felt gray outside was gray it was just the kids were horrible mm. to me it was, it was just gray just gray cold <laughs> yeah <laughs> trust me <it> literally was <laughs> like <laughs> not good <laughs> how old were you 12 was year 7 like everyone comes to secondary school to reinvent themselves (laughs) (laughs) and as it comes to a whole new country Mm. yeah it was it was just not nice I'm telling you up to like year 79 it's just it's 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 like a grey blur (laughs) in my memory I I don't I don't even write about it like (laughs) I haven't really wanted to do it it's hilarious but also at the same time it actually was like a lot of trauma that was internalized. Oh, so no. like that, like, you gotta just look back and just like not really like. Mm. I leave that for therapy. <laughs> Shout <laughs> that one. This is for like late nights in bed. Like. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's interesting though because the same people who might have been inflicting some of that negative whatever on you mm. when you're older, obviously it doesn't matter anymore. And there's that and um, but sometimes there's, there's that feeling like if somebody wants to add me on Facebook, it still really kind of takes me back. Mm-hmm. So they go, like, I remember you, mm-hmm. but I only remember you because you you did this or you said that. Do you know what I mean? Even though you, you kind of like forget about it for a while mm-hmm. and you think you're, you're fine with mm-hmm. it, but it's a big thing. <laughs> what, was it like people teasing you because of your accent? Or it was everything. Or... You, you, I mean, I could have been from Manchester, okay. you know, and it would have been... The same thing. Mm. It's just about being new in a school, mm-hmm. but it just helped the the people, the, the whoever was kind of like the perpetrators, mm. just mm. to be like, oh yeah, actually there's this other thing mm. that we can um, trip you up on. Mm. But it didn't help. Also, like I was really resistant towards that because I, w- I was I'm not um, I'm not the kind, I'm not the kind of personality that just kind of sits back and like t- takes it. I think that's so, good. No, 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 yeah, but it didn't help because obviously, like <laughs> the more you resist, the worse it gets. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, okay. And if you're a child, there's only so much like resilience in you mm-hmm. so yeah it was just like it was it, yeah no just let's let's, let's move on it's <laughs> over <laughs> maybe some people had a, a more positive experience it's really weird i actually i've been thinking about this question a lot and i can't remember mm. i actually cannot remember and i think part of that is my memory is quite bad anyway <laughs> but i just don't i don't even remember the first days or the first months or first weeks. Mm-hmm. I just have no recollection. I definitely remember leaving, mm-hmm. but I don't remember. I don't remember actually getting here. I, I, I don't know why. That's gray out there. Yeah, it's gray out, isn't it? Yeah. Because I really like, because Bellhouse talks about like loss in like Sisters of the Am. Mm. And when she talks about loss, it's not just about losing someone. It's about losing a place, mm-hmm. losing a feeling, losing an experience. Mm-hmm. I think that, that leaving this hot place or this like familiarity and then mm-hmm. coming to something that's totally like, opposite to like who you are and where mm-hmm. you come from there's definitely a disconnect that's going to happen inside you mm-hmm. but obviously there's no language for it how are you going to react to it how are you going to deal with it you're just going to pretend it's not happening so I feel like a lot of people if you really try to be specific about when you were like 10 how was it for you mm-hmm. you probably won't remember clearly exactly. it's just kind of all quite romantic or kind of like exactly and I think it's only upon reflection like now when yeah. you're forced to actually think about it that you're you have to stop and I should think, wait, hold on a minute, how did that work out? Because I'm thinking for me, when we moved here, it must, I didn't really realise how 
traumatic it was until you know I got to 16 17 18 then mm. you know I noticed that actually I'm very different from mm-hmm. this the situation I'm very different from everybody else and I think one of the main reasons why it turned out like that is because my family moved here at the same time so my aunts uh, my uncles my cousins it was just one big extended family so it didn't feel necessarily that I've left everyone at home I'm here by myself or we you know we're here just our family unit I could still walk over to my auntie's house I could still hang out with my cousins so I think that sort of helped um the process but I think in the 1617 you know when you start your friends your peers start experimenting with life etc etc you do for me I really noticed it uh, noticed the difference in terms of culture to really sort of think oh actually my mom is always driving on about this thing called who knew your character as a girl you know my friends are being able, are able to go out and express themselves like this but because of where I'm from and because I am different. I can't do that because of this other thing that's that's Zimbabwean. Mm-hmm. So that so I think that that sort of really drove home for me that I I am different. This I have moved and I have to <clears throat> I have to deal with being new in this situation where everyone is not going to operate on the same terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what is Hunu? Hunu. I I don't like, know whether there's an English like, word for it specifically, but it's character, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like but then yeah, like like your character you but like but like your your virtue no it's for boys men and women not yeah character is like also perception like exactly how are you perceived by the outside world it's not really about like your actual like well the, developed how, how are you cultivate how you're presenting the family like or how you're presenting yourself, yourself on yourself behalf of the family, family. <laughs> okay so reputation in a way yes yeah but mm. but, but it's but also like it really because it's deeper it, it was really is about working on yourself mm-hmm. and making yourself a better mm-hmm. person so that you're kind of like contributing to the community or society in a positive way you can say look at this person they're an example mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? mm-hmm. but i think really it becomes more about reputation exactly. as opposed to like character building and is it specifically at that time period like no when you never uh, uh, like, right, when you're two, forever. like <laughs> forever i mean like, i think oh. i think in most cultures would you say like in most cultures girls just have a certain way of being raised mm-hmm. like, compared to boys mm-hmm. yeah. yes. no i've just never heard of that this is really interesting all oh, right yeah yeah do, no my grandma is here so it's still we get reminded every time she visits like every three four years like got to work on being a good girl you know mm-hmm. it's really it's fun would your mom say the same thing to the boys Uh yes I I don't know I've never really had specifically boys being addressed as in you know you need to have a good character I'm trying to think of the English translation mm-hmm. but seeing my the way my mom interacts with my brothers mm-hmm. it's still the same expectation that she has on me for them to grow up well-rounded mm-hmm. and you know good individuals and people who have respect and can be respected that mm-hmm. kind of thing Um but I don't know I can't speak culturally whether it's mm. across who knows also applies to to boys and mm. men but I know for a fact that with my with my parents they mm. do they do expect the same for boys for the for the boys as they do for me And also I was going to say that's a really like unique experience to move as an extended family mm. and it sounds like it kind of cushioned your experience a bit How did that happen like all of your family like right we're just going to all go together <laughs> No <laughs> it it just happened over This is what I mean. I think that's why 15 16 that was sort of that process because actually it took it was an instant. We came here December 2001 and then 2002 was the sort of the time when everyone else was coming. So my uncle would come and then my aunt would come okay. and then their children would come and that's been going on for a while. Um but because my family is so big, somebody's always joining us. So mm-hmm. although we're in this new foreign place, 
there's always somebody coming in we're family again mm-hmm. yeah that's nice and I was going to say for you Kajari like that's interesting that you remember the departure mm. like was it that you remember leaving or having a sadness or and it's it's interesting that then it stops from there like that there's no oh. yeah I don't yeah I don't know I guess I just don't have any recollections of coming to England and thinking it was cold. Those mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people who, especially if you've moved over from the motherland, <laughs> that's one of the first things, isn't it? It's like, oh my gosh, this place is cold. Mm-hmm. But I just have no memories of that. It's more, the only things I remember is actually meeting family that I've never met before. Mm-hmm. So I have like little flashbacks of that kind of thing. But in terms of, you know, the first the first days, weeks, mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I just have nothing. I suppose you're a lot younger as well, because you're seven. Yeah. Like Eleven and twelve, you might have more of a recollection. Yeah, it's weird. I have pockets of memories. I've I've got lots of memories in terms of growing up in Zimbabwe, and also you know, from seven onwards, like being in school and stuff. So I have memories, but I just have in terms of that kind of period of yeah. actually touching down in London town. I don't. Yeah, I just yeah. don't know. I just don't know. What I find really interesting, I think, as as you're talking, is that transition between. So when I was when I first came to England, um, so if my mum called me, I'd be like, Mama? And then, like, that's how I'd, you know, and so, yeah, that's how I would relate to her. But somewhere along the way, you know, when she'd call me, I'd be like, yes, mum. So for me, that's quite an interesting... Mm. I I wonder when that transition happened, Mm. you know, because that literally, I, I grew up, being like mama like was mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but was good <laughs> yeah. so that yeah that's yeah, interesting that's for me do all of your families view Zimbabwe as home in my family Zimbabwe has never been my physical home but we still refer to it as that is that the same for you I don't know okay I feel like a lot or several of my family members have a complicated relationship with Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, many of them left under quite traumatic circumstances mm-hmm. on one hand, and also they've been here for so long. Mm-hmm. So the idea of home is a very interesting and mixed notion, I guess. I was talking to my uncle actually the other day, and you know, I was talking about that, or he was talking about the idea of home homecoming mm-hmm. and how you even if you go home you're not returning to the same place because mm-hmm. it's not the very fact that you left everything has changed mm-hmm. so you're actually coming back to a different place mm-hmm. um so yeah i don't i don't know but they say like kumusha mm-hmm. yeah. so in that sense there there is a sense of like yeah kumusha, like is that the countryside like country well if you're in area. zim yeah that means like your ancestral mm-hmm. home home but mm-hmm. like if i think if you're away from home, home, like the whole country. Kumusha is just like literally like anything, <laughs> everything. <laughs> the <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, I think I'm just thinking now because they most my family moved here for you know the because of the economy, and so for them it was always been a a, a thing of we're going to go back home. Mm-hmm. We're here. This is this is just a. Um, a pit stop as it were you know we're coming we're working and we're going to go back home and they've always spoken in those terms and but actually apart from one aunt and uncle no one's actually making the effort to go back home they talk about it oh i want to build a house i want to do this i want to do that but you don't actually see them doing anything about it 
but they're not getting any younger that you know the years are adding up and it's really interesting because my parents now they're old you know like we're older we we're doing things ourselves we're able to you know to sustain ourselves but they're not interested in going back home at all they mm-hmm. i mean they are but it's not something that's pressing so i don't know i mean my dad hasn't been back home for the past five six years but he doesn't want to go home he knows he should go home but he doesn't want to go home mm-hmm. so I, i don't know they do i think they do refer to it as home but i don't know like you said it's an interesting relationship and i think i don't know if i refer to it as home but i suppose because my family always spoke about it in that way mm-hmm. it was always kind of this like ethereal place that mm-hmm. where it, i would be welcomed or was another home whereas the uk does feel like a home for me mm-hmm. but because i'm still othered within this space it's mm-hmm. a comfort to have this other notion exactly. of, a, of a home <clears throat> somewhere else. Mm. Um, oh, that's interesting. Mm? It's a comfort, isn't it? Mm-hmm. To just think, actually, this is temporary. Whatever we're going through, the hard work that we have to put in, it's not. We don't. It's not permanent. We mm. can still go home. You know, especially if you're having negative experiences mm-hmm. in the space mm-hmm. because of being Zimbabwean mm-hmm. or being different. Um, and my granny, she went back mm-hmm. for a while, but she kind of went back at a time when things weren't so easy in Zimbabwe mm-hmm. so she ended up coming back here mm-hmm. um but she always maintained this you know wanting to go back and is very proud of Zimbabwe I think if she could she would be living there now mm-hmm. like ride or die through mm-hmm. anything kind mm-hmm. of thing um but I think for my aunts they haven't really got that impulse as much two of them were sent there to go and study when they were teenagers mm-hmm. Um, and my mum's never been back, so it's interesting, but it's still, I suppose, within the family, people do still refer to it as that term. I find it quite mm. an interesting concept. Um, what do you do to maintain contact to Zimbabwe? In my family, I think we do it through food. My comfort food is definitely sadza, a maize meal, stiff porridge of sorts. Um, variations of it are eaten across southern and eastern Africa. We tend to eat it with nyama and muriwo, stewed beef and greens. Eating sadza reminds me of meals my granny would make for the family when I was little. Also, being gluten and dairy free, it's nice to have a meal that I can eat as is. So what are the ways that you maintain a connection to Zim? Or do you? Well, I think I'll pick up on the on the food aspect. Because my grandparents do visit us quite often and my aunts and uncles also go home quite often. It's always, every time someone comes back here, they always bring something. They always bring packages, you know, pink peanuts or um, pumpkin leaf or sweet potato or maize or whatever. And it's always, it's very, it's like a, it's a homecoming as it were. And it's, so in that's one way we keep, you know, contact in terms of food. Um, but also we call because I still have family back home. Mm-hmm. So that, that constant connection and actually technology has made it really, really easy to sort of stay in touch and say, you know, what are you up to? Facebook, WhatsApp, um, free calls over the internet. And that's having that relationship that although you're not there physically, mm-hmm. um, you can still have that contact. Whether that's an authentic contact, that's a different discussion altogether. But actually, you still sort of have um, a contact with her. Mm-hmm. Like, is there a conscious decision to try and hold on to that space or not? I think I it's through family mm-hmm. you know having that connection with Zimbabwe but it's through family it is through food as well mm-hmm. I think 
<clears throat> but I feel like I am Zimbabwean. Does that make sense? And like, obviously, I'm not the centre of the universe, mm. but the very, <laughs> by, the very by, the, by the very fact that I am Zimbabwean and I have that connection with my heritage, mm. I feel like that's almost a connection in itself. Mm. But um, yeah. maybe I'm just gassing and no, not. Um, I do. Yeah, my mum cooks a lot of Zim food pretty much every other day. She's got a an allotment, so she grows like greens and things. Her, but like different things, but mostly kind of like things that remind her of Zim. Um, music, like on a deep level, like there is nothing like a good Shona lyricist. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I forgot about that. Music would be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Just. Um, just cousins, I guess, here, yeah, like, who just call, like, text me, ask me if I can buy them iPads. <laughs> <laughs> That's another aspect, though, isn't that it? Is That's such the an interesting... interesting... <laughs> no, no, I have a family member, the, they only ever contact me yeah. for things. Yeah. The other day, I was like, hey, how are you? So anyway, um, I need £90. I'm like, who do you think I am? Well, who do you think I'm going to get £90 I wish for? I had an iPad, like, yeah. one cousin was like, yeah, yeah, anyway, I won't. Block put my cousins on block on the. <laughs> um, this is going on the internet. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, and I say I try to as much as I can. Just like things, YouTube, man. Like just, mm. you know, um, I have to anyway. Not I have to, but like just sometimes when you're writing stuff and you, you're like, mm, this memory is a bit too like flimsy. Mm. Why don't we actually do some research? Mm. So, I'm very interested in in Zimbabwe, Zimbabwean history, Zimbabwean traditions, Zimbabwean culture. So in many ways, I'm always kind of like doing Zimbabwean-related things. So um, yeah, I think it's my life really. I'm Zimbabwean, really. Mm-hmm. So naturally, that's kind of like at the forefront of my desires in life, mm. just to be like at one with home. <laughs> that comfort space, isn't it? Mm. I'm really interested in that the storytelling aspect. I think I crave that sometimes. Mm. You know, going to whether it's my mum or my uncle and just hearing stories about mm. them growing yeah. up or just, yeah, that kind of thing. I I think that's another connection, but I guess that's more of a historical, you mm. know, this is what happened and this is what mm. I grew up with. I love but that. I, that's my favourite. When my mum's talking about just like, well, how she met my dad or like mm. being in college. I find that really comforting when we, someone knowing you or knowing your family history so like mm. when i come to see your uncle and he'd do like my family's praise poem and he'd explain the family history and like mm. someone knowing about you or knowing how to say your name correctly mm. i find that really nice because so often i'm having to be like i'm from here and this happened and my ancestors mm. did this but it was like they already know it all and mm. they already have an idea of you or have a pride in you or want to celebrate something in you mm-hmm. i think that's so nice like to learn about the history from people who know it and have lived it and that's where we're going to pause the conversation for now there's a part two where you can hear how the conversation continues